Scripture reading for our lesson tonight will be from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Good afternoon. It's great to see so many folks out today to continue our worship and to to get into God's Word. My goal for tonight is to help us as Christians to be more thoroughly equipped in in a certain way. And as I have, I've recognized a challenge that it's important for us to be able to have a Bible study with someone. But where do you start with something like that? It's, it's quite a big proposition. The Bible is the greatest book ever written, but it's not a small book. Its, it's depth is, is immeasurable, but it's, what it reaches to is also immeasurable. It's, it's absolutely worth the study, but sometimes I feel like we might be intimidated by what it takes to sit down and study the Bible with someone. And so that's what we're going to look at today is... is looking at how to study the gospel. And I'm actually going to be preaching a few sermons between now and the end of the year, and and it's going to be talking about this subject. And so the first one is going to be talking about how the Bible is God's word. I want us to be able to, uh, my my goal is also with this is to make something that's very simple, that you could sit down with and, and work through someone that you don't have to feel like you have all the answers before you begin. Um, it's merely something that we can go to the Word, discuss it, and come away with something that is of value to everyone that's involved. And this is something that I know that I need, and it's something that I've studied, but I also talked to and, and used uh, some resources from a professional uh, with, with experience and success with, with Bible study. Also, I, I did print out, essentially the entire outline of the sermon is on, fits on a little slip of paper. There's some on the, the back table there. Fits real nice in the Bible. Um, I thought about trying to preach off of this to make a point, but I thought that might be too much of a challenge because uh, the words that you put with those scriptures need to be your own because that's how you connect with the person that you're talking to. But essentially, it's, it's three lines with a couple of scriptures after each line. Uh, if you have your Bible and, and something simple, you're good to go. So uh, also, I'm going to uh, be reading out of the Bible. I think it's important whenever you study with the Bible uh, with someone that you're actually in the text. And, you know, sure, you can use your phone and that sort of thing. But oftentimes when I preach, I print out my scriptures just to keep things moving along because I think people appreciate brevity. But, but today I'm going to be turning along, and I, I hope you'll turn along with me and see what this is. And we'll see if I've met the goal of simplicity and also making an important point. And again, the key to this is God's word. Um, there are no perfect words to go with it. 
Uh, it's, it's you and that connection with someone that you're making to, to, to go along with that. So where do we begin? Step one is to make sure that when you study the Bible with someone, you're playing by the same rules. Uh, that's whenever you're, you're playing a game, that's the first thing is, okay, what are the rules of this game? Because you don't want to have rules that apply to one person and, and not another. Uh, and when you're talking to someone about the Bible, there are so many ideas out there about what the Bible is about, about what it is for, uh, and how this book works, who God is, how he communicates, so many different things. So the first place I think to do is to come to the Bible on some common terms, and then to go from there towards reaching a mutual understanding of, of salvation and how to please God and so many other things. The great thing about this question is that the, the Bible actually tells you how to do this. Uh, and it's also critical, I thought, as the first lesson, because everything that you study afterwards depends on this. So the first point is that the Bible is God's Word. Uh, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So again, since everyone that you talk to will have some kind of an opinion, it's an important thing that we have a standard. And that is going to be the Scripture. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And some translations say breathed out, some say inspired, and essentially those mean the same things. It means it came out of the mouth of God. And you'll notice if you ever know, when you speak, you know, you can feel yourself speaking, that there's, there is air coming out of your mouth. And the, I actually looked at what is the etymology of inspire, and it means to breathe into or to blow into. Um, so th those words are very closely tied, but what it's actually just saying here is that this is God-spoken. These scriptures that we're looking at are God-spoken, and that makes it different from any other book. And I enjoy reading books for so many different reasons, for, to relax and to learn, and, and none of them is perfect. Um, even if they're just telling a narrative story, um, they're just, they're written by men who are flawed. The author of this book is God. And then what's it telling us it's good for here? Everything that you need to be equipped to do good things and, and have a proper direction in life. So this book is pretty important. Uh, next, let's turn to Second, chap second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. But hold on a second there. This is the book of Peter, right? So aren't these Peter's words? Isn't, isn't that who we're, we're discussing? Well, well, we'll get to that in just a moment. First Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter is the author of this book. But what does this look like when it says that somebody was carried along by the Holy Spirit, that it did not come from their own interpretation, that it was not produced by their own will? Well, what that looks like exactly, we, we don't know. 
I don't think, though, that the Holy Spirit took Peter's hand and, and inscribed the words. He didn't do that for, for Paul or for Matthew or, or anyone. We see personality. We see motivation. We see desire. We see uh, perspective of the individuals that wrote these words. But we see here, and, and as we're looking at this, that the Holy Spirit informed the writing and, and I believe it, it proofed the writing that when he was done, this was a work of God. That they gave the man what he needed to write in such a way that God's will could be on a text for all of us to have. And here, we also see that they were carried along. So, again, what that looks like exactly, it's less important than the fact that it says this, that it doesn't come from someone's own ideas. But men spoke from God. And that's pretty cool. That means that we're able to hear God's word from many different mouths that will reach us in many different ways. I did find something, though, that it does show a bit of a practical um, uh, example of this. Going all the way back to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 4. We see a, a, a team... That's described in a very similar way. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. And this is almost a bonus because it doesn't uh, speak directly the way the last two verses do, but I think it, it provides a really nice illustration. And in, in verse 10, you have Moses speaking to God and saying, My God, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And he's basically telling God that you want me to do this thing, and I'm, he's making excuses. But his excuse is that I'm not a good speaker. And God says to him, he says uh, in verse 12, he says, Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. And he says, Lord, please send the message by whomever else you will. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. In verse 14, he said, Is not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently, and moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now listen to this. It says, you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth in his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak to you, to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. It didn't say, he will be a mouth to you, and you will be as a brain to him, or a tongue, or the ideas. He, he describes a relationship here, that he will be a mouth, and you will be as God to him. So God is giving this instruction to Moses, and then Moses' job to, to Aaron is to say, and God's saying, I'll be with you both, but he's saying, hey, these are the ideas I need you to communicate. And, and, and Aaron, you know, maybe they had a conversation, you're saying this? And he said, yeah, this is what I want you to say. And I said, okay, but then he spoke it in a fluent way. He spoke it the way that he would say it. Maybe he spoke it better than Moses would because Moses uh, stumbled over his tongue. But at the end, it says, he will be a mouth to you, and you will be as God to him. You provide the ideas, you provide the understanding, he provides the words. And that's kind of a, an application, or a, a, an example, I think, that, uh, of what, what we see in the scriptures, that, that God uses mouths and hands and men to get his word to us. But ultimately, the Bible is God's word. That's the first thing that we need to establish when we're studying the Bible with anyone, 
It's not necessarily what you think or what I think. It's this book. So let's go to this book. Okay, there's point number one. The next one is that the Bible is complete. Uh, we're going to go, I, maybe I should have told you to keep your finger in it. We're going to go back to 2 Peter. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. But earlier in the chapter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Because, again, there are, as, as, as wonderful and immense a book as the Bible is, the books that have been written about the book, <laughs> they're endless. The words that have been spoken about the book are endless. But we want to go to the source. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. His divine power has granted to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. So God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness towards being right with God. What does that leave out? That tells us that in this book we have what we need. You know, and commentaries are nice or, or you know, like it's, I, I googled inspire, you know, um, resources, dictionaries, there's lots of things that might help the way that we handle this word. But ultimately, this word is complete. What we need in this word is complete, and this word is, is meant to be handled by anyone and everyone. All things that pertain to life and godliness are here. Uh, let's next go to Jude 3, and that's verse 3 of Jude Again, this idea that the Bible is complete. Jude 3 says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you contend, to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So not only, as Peter described it, did it pertain to all things, but here it says it was once and for all delivered to the saints. So does this apply to us thousands of years later? Yes, it does. This is telling us exactly what it is. And this is important because when you're talking with someone, they might have had a very different experience with life or with searching for God than you have. And they might feel like maybe God speaks to them or even a common term that I hear is, is that God laid it on my heart. God laid it on my heart. Or, or I have this, this feeling that this is what I should do. And I am a big believer on the importance of feelings and even listening to your gut. I absolutely am. But feelings don't necessarily give, give good directions. And if I asked everyone here, which direction, you know, maybe we, we play that game where you spin around a little bit first. You know, or, or you're in a place, now Kansas is kind of nice, all the roads are north, south, and east, and west, right? Not so in the rest of the country slash world. Uh, the, the roads do this, you know, and if you're driving, okay, which way do you think, especially maybe at noon, which way do you think, uh, let's go with north is? Now, a lot of y'all might know that, that that way is north. You might know that because you've paid attention to, to getting here, or you understand that the way that the streets work, or maybe you had no idea when I said that. See, but feelings don't give 
good directions. You might say, I don't want to go north. Um, I'm afraid to go north. I'm sad about going north. And all those things are important. And let's talk about that. Because that's going to affect on whether or not you're going to go. <laughs> but if you want to know which direction north is, you, you get out a compass. You get out the means to know the direction. You get out something that is, that is empirical. And, and that is what we have here, is something that is once and for all capable of showing us the way that we should go. And Christ described himself as that, that he was the way. And this doesn't change. The, the compass doesn't change, or north doesn't change, the Bible doesn't change, and, and we should go to it as our source. Our feelings are important, but they don't change right from wrong. And that's important from the start. It's important to establish that standard that was, this thing was given once and for all, and that we can trust in this thing. And, and if you have these feelings or something's laid on your heart, okay, I can't argue with your experience, but you can't exactly expect me to follow your experience. Let's find our standard. Let's go to that. And then we can go somewhere together. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 is our, our, our third scripture on this point that the Bible is complete. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of the Christ, in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there was another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As I have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. Now, Paul is a pretty big deal in the New Testament, right? Uh, the, the number of books that he's written, the way that he carried the gospel forward in a in a functional and, and, and meaningful way, the way that he brought it to the, I mean, Peter brought it to the Gentiles, but then he spread it amongst the Gentiles, and, and I know we're grateful for that. But here, he includes himself. He says uh, in verse 8, but even if we, or an angel of heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which, you have, which has been preached to you, let him be accursed. He's, he's not being unclear here. Let him be accursed if someone is preaching a different word. Whatever the source, if it is different, it is not good. It is not God's word. The Bible is complete. What we have and what we need is here. Okay, so we talked and said that the Bible is God's word. We said that the Bible is complete. And next we will add to it that we don't add or take away to the Bible. Let's go to the beginning of the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's something that is, uh, I think we're going to find an interesting example in this, that the way that, and the number of times that it's described that we should not add or take away. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. And this is Moses as he's about to, uh, the Israelites are going to enter the promised land. And Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. You know, this is near his death. He's, you know, led the Israelites for 40 years as they complained. And before they enter the land, he gives them the second giving of the law. He's looking out for them. 
This is all about a book saying, I want you to succeed as God's people, but I'm done. I, I have to, I'm done. I can't go over there with you. And he's, he's pouring his heart out to them. And as he does so, he says, in the, kind of in the beginning of it here, he says, Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take away from it, that you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just keep it. Okay? Don't, don't mess with it. Just keep it like it is. Okay, so that's Deuteronomy. You might keep your finger in, in that. I'm going to. But next we're going to go to Proverbs. We're going to go to Proverbs, right in the middle of the Bible. If you open it right in the middle, you're probably going to hit Proverbs. You might hit Psalms. Proverbs is right after Psalms. Proverbs chapter 30, near the end. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. Again, these are the words that were written in great wisdom to help people to have understanding for how to live life and also how to serve God. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So here he's saying, if you add to his words, you're going against his words. His words are true. If you add to them, you're a liar. And that's, uh, that's humbling, and that's an important thing for us teachers to, to be careful of, because what we are, whenever we, we bring the word, we frame it with our words, we try to convey it, but let's make sure that we're not adding to it or we're not um, um, taking our opinion and implying that it is the Word of God or that it, it is the only way to um, understand the Word of God. That's something that we have to be very mindful of. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 30. Let's go all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22. And I mean all the way to the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. He not only describes here, and this is the conclusion of the, the book, but it's also, it also goes for the, the prophecies, these, this, this, this Bible, this Word of God. And he warns them, but he warns them, about the consequences of adding to it. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to them the plagues described in this book. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and look at it. It's not good. You do not want the plagues described in this book because it's every manner of suffering, okay? And then verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Okay, the stakes don't get any higher than that, right? Suffering and having your share taken away. So if you put your, left your fingers in the Bible right here, in the beginning of the book, in the middle of the book, at the end of the book, don't add to it, don't take away from it, don't mess with it, okay? This is what you need. Don't add to it your own ideas, because it's funny that, and Paul described this himself, that knowledge puffs up, you know, but love builds up. That as you learn and grow, you start to think that you know things that are worthy to be added to the Word of God. Again, these are things that we want to carry. We want to give our understanding when you discuss someone, because 
just like the, we are not inspired the way that the, the apostles were, but God uses men, God uses mouths. And, and as Jeremy's been discussing the, uh, the, the parables, you know, what does the word, and, and talking about the word in different ways, and it's described as the seed, what does the seed need to, to have in order to do its amazing work? It needs to have a sower, it needs to have a speaker. And it's important that we understand the word and that we can speak from the word, but ultimately we have to, to add our words to it, but we just always need to understand God is the author of the scriptures. We are merely the presenter, or maybe the vessel. And I'm going to refer, but we're not going to necessarily read from uh, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 is a place where the Pharisees, who were very learned men, came after the disciples and said they were doing the wrong thing. And Christ described them as people who honored me with their lips, but in vain they worshiped him, because they taught as doctoring the precepts of men. They had, they had taken their understanding of the word and, and their traditions and put them around the word of God. And the problem with that is that, I will reference verse 13, it says, by doing that, you invalidate the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down you do many things such as that. And that's something that we have to be careful for. Tradition should be honored. Paul referred to that. Traditions have worked in a way, and they have a value. We can't assume that we know more than everyone who came before. But we do need to measure traditions against the Word of God, and this has to be our focus. If we focus on the traditions, then we invalidate the Word of God. And it's easy to focus on their traditions. Well, why do we do what we do? Well, you know, hey, it's important for us to understand the way that we have extrapolated the Word of God and how we apply that. But never think that that's what we should focus on. You've got to go back to the Word. You've got to understand the why and the how. Don't let traditions get in between you and the Word. Speaking of the why and the how, um, there's, there's two more scriptures that I'm going to add here that are not on these three points. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's turn there, and that, this was the, the scripture reading. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if I asked someone to, to, I mean, you might know what I'm thinking about right now, but if after we get done or you encounter me and say, hey, I'm sitting out in the parking lot and, you know, gazing far off, hey, what are you thinking about? It could be anything. <laughs> you know, it could be what I'm doing this week. It could be, you know, um, something that I've, I've read or thought about. It could be uh, something to do with my family, likely. It could be, where can I get some good tacos soon, ASAP. Um, there's no way of telling what I'm thinking, right? It could be absolutely anything. First Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, chapter 2. It's trickier when it's not printed out. In verse 11, let's read it and understand this. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that man which is in him? The only way that I can, you can know what's in my mind is if I tell you. Okay, so here also, so also, also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths, to those who are spiritual. Here it says no one knows. 
How can we know it's in the mind of God? I think we can go outside and with an open mind recognize that there is a God. You can look at the world and see that it is something that was made in order. People like to contend with this, I know. But to me, it's exceedingly clear that God, that there was a creator that made this world. And I can even learn things about him because he appreciates beauty and he appreciates order and he also appreciates things that build off of themselves and, and, and there are many little things that teach us about God. But ultimately, what's in God's mind? How can we know that? We can't know that from nature. We can't know that from looking within. Sometimes people say, well, you know, well, we're made in the image of God, and, and if I go deep enough, I can find God within me. Well, uh, be careful with that. Be real careful with that. What we, how we know what's in the mind of God is right here, because the Proverbs tell us that folly is bound up in the heart of a child, and I can tell you that it can certainly be bound up in the heart of a man. How do we know what's in God's mind and what's in God's heart? It's right here. It's in these scriptures. It is by them that we can understand spiritual thoughts by understanding spiritual words. So if we want to know God, if we want to know how to please him, which is the whole point of, 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 of who we are and what we're studying, then we need to understand that this word has what we need. John chapter 12 is the last verse that we're going to look at, and it is a verse that goes along great with this idea, but it also kind of stands as our, our invitation. John chapter 12, verse 48, is what I'm going to read, but maybe sometime read from verse 44, because it all kind of builds together. Verse 48, though, says, The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The words that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. This is really important because people don't like to feel judged. It's universal, I think. No, don't, don't judge me. You can't judge me. And, and people like to talk about, oh, doesn't the Bible say not to judge? And they like to misappropriate some of, of Christ's teaching on that. Here's the judge, okay? And, and it's not about me or you or I'm judging you or someone else is judging you. Don't worry about that. This is what you worry about. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge the word that I have spoken to him will judge him on the last day. So this isn't just like something that is enlightening or empowering or fun or delightful or something to feel smarter than other people about. This is your judge. This is your judge right here on the last day. What's in here is going to be the measure, the standard, the ruler that you'll be judged by. And wonderfully, it's full of grace and goodness and love. But it's also full of what is right and standards and ways to orient ourselves towards God and, and ways to take the next step forward and how to be like Christ. This is our judge, though. So if you want to know how important it is, then, then it's, it's this. It, it is our judge, and everything is on the line. My last slide here is the entire sermon. And I put it there because I wanted you to see that it is something that you could teach. Uh, like I said, I printed out some little slips. Your, your Bible might have some room to write, but you could write, you know, the Bible is God's word, a couple of scriptures afterwards. 
And maybe in those scriptures, you might underline a word or two or something that helps you to communicate that, or maybe even a cross-reference if you think that's going to come up. But as simple as something that small, you could come to somebody and say, let's start studying the Word of God. It's pretty simple. Let's look at some scriptures together. And, and they might have some questions, and you can try to field some of those, but sometimes people are coming from all over the place. You know, they want to talk about demons, or they might want to talk about, you know, you know, can you lose your salvation? And, and that's fine, and let's talk about that. But before we get into any of that, hey, let's talk about how the Bible is God's word. This is our standard. This is how we are going to progress in this Bible study and hopefully in our life. And so, brothers and sisters, I would ask us to, to use this and feel empowered with this. Our next time I, I preach is going to be to look at the whole, uh, the big picture of the Bible, I suppose, to look and if someone is not familiar with this book, what is this about? There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of things that happen. What is, but there is one story. There is one story in this book, and that's a great place to, to begin, to have context. That everything else we're going to look at in this book is in the framework, is in the, the big bowl of this story. We'll talk about that next time, but I would ask for you to think about this. What we heard in John chapter 12, verse 48, is that uh, the words that are here will be our judge in the last day. And if you feel convicted by that, then that's good. That's what it's meant to do. We'd love, but what, is, what are you supposed to do with that conviction? Well, if you haven't been saved, you're supposed to uh, come to God. We would love to talk to you about how to do that. The steps are simple. God has done almost all the work, but he wants you to do a thing, an act of obedience to receive that work and to then commit your life to him. Or if brothers and sisters, you haven't been living by the word and you've been living by the world, then we'd love to put our arms around you and encourage you. If you'd like to ask for help with hearing about salvation or get encouragement from us, we'd love to give it. Come forward now while we stand and sing this song.